this is the longest pause. Wait, are we recording? Yeah, I thought you were going to start. Yeah, I was, but I was waiting for a count in for me. Oh my God, this is why we should not be doing a podcast today. Okay, well, hello everybody. Uh, I'm Chloe Maidley. I'm one of the coaches on the EC method and... I am Emma Gordon and I am, oh my God, oh. Emma Story Gordon and I am your other coach. Well, we've started well. We're both we've not really like well. 100%, are we? No, so I uh, had like a midday barbecue yesterday and by 4pm I was man down because I ate an undercooked burger, which I knew was undercooked, but that's how I like it. So I ate it anyway. And uh, and then just literally from 4pm yesterday until 8am this morning was in bed um, and but obviously some... experiencing some fun things. Oh God, yeah. But some burgers yeah. you can have like slightly rare. Yes, yeah, so I'm sorry normally, to even talk about this because I know that after you've been really ill, you're like, I don't want to think about that. Thing. I know, but what I'm doing is I'm just doing like a no association game in my head when we talk about it. It's just the word, it's a two syllable word. It's that's all it is. No, but I am it. No, I normally did do that for like, like my whole life. That's how I always asked for it and did it and everything. Um, until obviously, I think restaurants all over the UK stopped doing it. Um, and then, so now I'm like, I love having barbecue burgers because I know that I can have them how I like them. But I think I realized yesterday it's why uh, it's a very risky move. And everyone I've told about it is like, oh yeah, babe, what were you thinking? I'm like, oh, okay, it's a thing. Oh, um, what do, you, do you want to tell them about your night? Yeah, so I went to A&E last night because I couldn't stand up and get out of bed and I had shooting pains all down my legs. So that's fun but that how did you get there one of my friends how nice is that like I saw he yeah. was online on whatsapp and I was like hey oh. do you want to come get me he was so good he just sat outside in the car because obviously because of coronavirus they can't like you're not you're not meant to go in <clears throat> yeah but was it empty everyone I know who's gone to A&E in the last few weeks which weirdly is quite a few people said that it's like completely empty which is the one benefit ish of having a worldwide pandemic yeah exactly I think I was seen and out within an hour which is pretty good oh and your friend is mega shout out to the friend I know thank you thank you okay so the first question are you ready go for it okay she says I'd like to thank you for all your support I've been one of in inverted commas those clients that is up and down but you've supported me and given me the advice throughout so thank you I have 18 oh wait this isn't even really a question it's just like gushing about us I'm just gonna continue anyway okay (laughs) um I've got 18 weeks until I get married this shit just got real with your help I'm going to look the absolute bollocks let's do this and where do I sign up for the next 18 weeks that's lovely that's very lovely thank you so much and yeah I mean we've talked about it before sometimes um you know you get clients who are who are like literally out the gate straight on it achieve what they want do it really really well but those clients usually have had like have gone through the cycle of being a bit wishy-washy kind of finding it hard to stay on track at various points and we've said it in the podcast before sometimes you actually it really helps being in a group even if you're not like bolting out the gate right off the bat um 
because sometimes you're not actually really mentally ready, but you can still take on all the info. You can still, you know, stay fit, stay healthy while maybe being a little bit wishy-washy. And when you're ready, you have all the tools at your disposal. So um, it's not the worst thing in the world. If, you, if you're finding it hard, um, it just might mean that you have a little bit further to go before you're ready. Um, so yeah, it's, it's great. And um, we're going we're gonna to put up a link. Uh, Emma, when do you want to put up with the re-sign-ups? we'll put it up today what's today friday yeah so you yeah. anyone already on the ec method obviously gets like first priority to sign up for the next intake so you guys will have that link if you want to sign up today which is very exciting and obviously yeah, and this, I would say... um, this woman has like a long long-term view of it anyway which is very like it's a nice thing to see i think a lot of people still believe that you can get all the results you want in eight weeks and realistically yeah. it's going to take longer than that but I think the fact that you've been a bit up and down and the fact that you've managed to do this in lockdown bodes very well for the future because you're able to deal with the ups and downs, which will inevitably happen. And a lot of people that like Chloe was talking about, that just seem to like nail everything. They really struggle when there's a bit of a dip because they've never experienced that before. They're like, Oh no, I always, I always hit everything and I'm always progressing. So being able to deal with like one or two bad days and then get straight back on track, that's a really good skill. So I think she's doing extremely well. Yeah, so do I. And I will say one thing, guys, when Emma puts up the link to sign up and you listen to this podcast, do sign up as quickly as possible. Obviously, you guys are going to be first come, first serve, but we have a lot of people on the waiting list and we're already trying to think about where our cap is with it so um so yeah i would say do it sooner rather than later just in case Mm -hmm. yeah we're very wary of taking on too many people and not being able to offer the same support because the group's been amazing and Yeah. yeah we don't want too many people so that we can't support everyone okay next question um why is it you're always hungry at your usual lunchtime regardless of whether you've had a few cups of tea for breakfast or a proper meal for breakfast. Oh, you, yeah, this is Louisa and you answered this on the, uh, on the Facebook page. So I'll let, let you take the helm. Oh, that already is. Okay. Well on the podcast as well. So ghrelin levels rise when you normally eat. So ghrelin's a hormone which um, increases when you're hungry or actually it increases kind of to make you hungry. And that happens before your usual meal time. So if you normally eat your lunch at one o'clock, you'll be hungry at one o'clock, even if you had a big breakfast or you didn't have a big breakfast. But equally, I don't know if anyone's experienced this, I'm sure they have, is like, let's say you have to go into a meeting at half 12 and you don't get out until three. You're almost past hunger. Like you're not hungry from that lunchtime ghrelin spike anymore. So like you, you can just say not eating till dinner if you wanted. But it seems strange because we, I think we have this perception of hunger that if you're hungry and you don't eat, you'll only get hungrier. But that's not actually true all of the time. Yeah, I th- um, obviously completely right. And also, just to segue into like a related topic to that, uh, you know, don't forget that all of our bodies work on a circadian rhythm. So all of our bodies work on a body clock. Um, and that applies to everything from your sleep-wake cycle to your um, hormone spikes, hormonal drops. Um, and this is when I always say to people, um, I actually don't know if anyone in our group uh, fasts, um, but I know that a lot of the time, a lot of my clients do. And I will say this, people tend to have this habit um, of fasting through the morning and afternoon and then eating in the evening. Um, 
And I actually would say that is suboptimal when it comes to your body, your metabolism and your circadian rhythm, because as soon as your body wakes up and uh, you're flooded with cortisol, which is a stress hormone, and you wake up, the light and your first meal of the day basically kickstart your circadian rhythm and, and, and now you are in your wake cycle. Um, and you will find that as the day goes on, um, certain things like ghrelin will drop and you will feel less hungry. But there's a weird psychological thing I think that we all have where at night we want to eat a lot. Um, but I would say it's preferable if you're going to fast, if you're going to do a, a 12 or a 16 or a 24 hour fast, to stop eating either in the morning or the afternoon and then start your fast and then pick up eating again the next morning. Um, and that's kind of something just as a side note that I wanted to throw out there because um, it's not really optimal to be fasting throughout the day and having your last meal uh, in the evening. Mm -hmm. I actually think there's, there are a few really good benefits to fasting in terms of just being able to sit with your hunger yeah. and realize, because some people have never not eaten when they're hungry. So yeah. just being able to go through a whole day and think, oh, actually, I'm okay if I don't eat. Like, it doesn't have control over me. I have control over it. And I can choose when I want to eat and when I don't want to eat. And that realization and almost builds, like, trust in yourself that you can yeah. stick to something. But you're totally right was... about the... Um, the it, and you're more insulin sensitive in the morning, right? So it is probably yeah. better to eat more in the morning. But again, like, spot on. I find it, if I am fasting... I'll just fast until lunchtime because it's so much easier. Yeah. But I, I think it's a, a lot potentially people, not optimal. Yeah, it's not optimal, but you're right. That there's a psychology to it. And a lot of people find it easier to fast in the day um, and then find that they want to eat more at night. But I think you're right in terms of the fasting being good for you. I mean, there's so many benefits. There's, there's a lot of hate out there for fasting, which I find really interesting because it's a really good thing to do for your body. Um, and uh, yeah, I would say that um, it does it does help you get quite in tune with yourself and it does help you get mentally and psychologically a little bit more robust in terms of dieting. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, a 12, 16 or 24 hour fast, if you're going to do the latter, you know, once a week is enough. Um, it's, it's a really good thing to do every now and again. Um, so yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was thinking about this and I was thinking, you know, people who fasting wouldn't be suitable for, and it might be people who struggle with like binge eating because that's potentially almost a bit like what they do at the moment where they're trying to really over restrict and then they sort of overindulge after that. Yeah. But then I looked up some research on Ramadan because I thought, mm, I think people who do Ramadan, so fast during the sunlight hours, mm. um, obviously not forever, it's for a set period of time. I would have thought they might struggle with binge eating more because they do eat like big fatty foods, like really enjoyable foods, celebratory type foods a lot of the time in the evening to break yeah. the fast. But actually the research shows that they don't. And I think one of the reasons that they don't might be that they're used to sitting with that hunger Agreed. and they're like, okay, well, yeah, do you know what? I can be hungry and I can choose not to do that. And, and actually it's absolutely amazing. I have a couple of clients who are fasting at the moment and yeah it's so impressive that they're able to do that and I think it does add a huge element almost like oh well if I can do Ramadan then I can definitely stick to a modest deficit and lose some body fat like it, it makes it easier in comparison 
I agree. I completely agree. Like all of my clients who've experienced things like that since childhood are really, really good at uh, being in tune with their body, their hunger signals, um, and, and being just kind of being minded that, you know, you can go, you can, you can actually go a pretty long time without eating and it's okay. But I will say actually, weirdly on the flip flop, my clients who tend to be, who tended to be restricted as children, um, whether it was through a choice of their parents or just through circumstance, then really struggle not to overeat into adulthood. Um, it's really, really interesting, but I think Emma's completely right. Psychologically, it comes down to taking control and knowing that you have options and knowing that you're choosing your option not to eat. It's not being forced on you. You're choosing that option. And it really, really helps, uh, you know, with, with dieting and psychology. So yeah. I just realized that that, we started with one question and ended up going on a whole fasting (laughs) tangent. But it's so interesting. I think that thing about maybe your um, friends who were like restricted at childhood. And I think you nailed it right after that. It's the choice, isn't it? That it probably wasn't a choice for them. So now they're like, right, when food's there, I want to eat as much as possible because I'm used to being restricted. And maybe they're still in the sort of scarcity mindset of, I don't know when I'll next get food. Yeah. Whereas if it's Ramadan, that's a choice that you're making. And even yeah. if it's probably pushed on you slightly as a child, but it's still a choice. And then you know when you're next getting food and you know that it is there and available. So maybe there's that aspect of it. Yeah, agreed. Okay, next question. Um, what experience do you have of clients on antidepressant medication? I have read somewhere that it prevents you from losing weight. Do you agree? Uh, Emma you'll probably know more about this than me especially given our conversation before we started (laughs) recording I was just saying one of the painkillers I am on is an antidepressant as well Um, and I will say from that experience actually this has opened my mind quite a lot so for those of you who don't know I've had a really bad back for almost a year now and have been on and off certain medications and during that time partly from inactivity and partly from overeating I have put on quite a lot of weight um and I would have previously said like, okay, so the reason that you put on weight if you take antidepressants is either because you're eating less or you're, um, so you're eating more or you're moving less. So it's not like antidepressants can magically make you store calories that you haven't consumed or um, reduce your me- uh, basal metabolic rate to an extent that you would um, put on a lot of body fat. But I have like having experienced it myself, I'm like, it doesn't mean that that isn't a real effect and I would liken it to like the week before your period maybe you're really irrational and you're really hungry you're maybe a bit tired like you don't want to do things you're a bit grumpy those feelings are real even though we know that they're just caused by hormonal changes so you know why you're feeling like that but it doesn't mean that it's not a real feeling and it's kind of similar with with medications and it's not just antidepressants there are loads of medications that have weight gain side effects then the reason for those side effects is always energy balance. So you, you must either be eating more or moving less, but it doesn't mean it's not a really hard thing to work around and that it might have an effect on you. The other aspect of that is it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. If your doctor's like, mm-hmm. oh, this, this um, medication usually makes people gain weight, then you're sort of like, oh, okay, I'll sort of let that happen. And then almost be like, well, it was the medication you are still in control of that. So I think that's a really good thing that you mm. still have power over that. You're still, it's still your decision, how you eat and how you exercise or how active you are. But yeah, it can have an impact. 
Yeah, I get this a lot with clients of mine who are on a, a kind of hormonal contraception. Um, oh, I, you know, I want to start taking this contraception or I'm on this contraception. Is it going to stop? Am I going to gain weight? Everyone says I'm going to gain weight. I do that. And I'm like, no, no, listen, you don't take a pill that magically makes you gain weight. It doesn't what, like, unless, that, unless that pill is some kind of compacted down 5,000 calorie uh, yeah. containing pill, it's not going to happen. That's not how it works. But what the pill does do is it changes your hormone levels. And as we know, as we've just talked about, ghrelin, which is your hunger hormone, and leptin, which is your satiety hormone, and uh, all of your other hormones pretty much are going to be impacted. That's how your body works. Now, it doesn't mean you're just randomly going to start storing body fat for no reason. What it means is your hunger signals might be slightly more intense um, in terms of you want to eat more um, and your uh, kind of your, your control around food, especially certain foods um, can actually get uh, a little bit tricky. Um, so it is, Emma's is completely right. It is a factor. And we're not saying that just because it's behavioral, it doesn't matter. Of course it matters. As we've always said throughout the podcast, throughout the EC method, your behavior determines whether or not you're going to get the results you want. So of course it matters. But Emma's is right. If you hear that self-fulfilling prophecy, oh, you might gain weight and you kind of ride it out, you're probably going to gain a bit of weight. If you hear it and you think, well, no, actually, I know it's behavioral and I'll just be really mindful of it and I'll really monitor it you probably be fine. Um, so yeah, I just think it's about being informed and understanding. And there are just, you know, there's so many buzz sentences and buzzwords out there. Like the pill will make you gain weight, but nobody mm-hmm. actually deconstructs it and like talks about it from a science point of view um, or, or even a psychological point of view. Um, so yeah, bear all that, all that in mind. Um, yeah, that's so yeah. true that like there's so much research out there on the pill or different medications and what happens when people take it and on average people gain X amount of weight. But they never really say, yeah, because Why? they're eating more and yeah. this has affected it in that sense. It, it, it does just sort of leave you to think, if I take that pill, I am going to gain weight. So that, yeah, an interesting point. And I guess it's just trying to make a snappy headline, isn't it? Yeah, it's just easy and people are lazy. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, next question. Hi, I feel like I may have hit a wall mentally with progress. Sticking to exercise all week, no issues, calories on track, a little bit higher on the weekends, but lower on the weekdays. My weight is fluctuating, but it hasn't dropped below my lowest weight for 10 days. I'm also finding I'm pretty tired and exhausted at the end of the week. This may also be because I'm still working full time and have two children under 10 at home by myself. (laughs) It might have something to do with it. Um, Any advice to help increase energy levels and break through this weight plateau? Uh, so, okay, replateau is what we've always said. For me personally, um, I know I've talked about this a lot, but for me personally, I don't really change anything until the client has hit, been in a plateau for two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, usually three, not really two, because your, your fat loss is not linear. You aren't going to lose weight week on week on week. Um, it just doesn't work like that. Um, so, well, unless you have loads to lose and you've never dieted before, it can happen, but it's really, 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 really rare. Um, so I would say it's okay, sit tight, you know, give it, give it at least another week before you start to think about things that might need changing. Um, but I do understand that mentally it can be really, really hard when you're not seeing that progress. And, and it's just where you really have to, and this, this phrase gets thrown around a lot, but it's so, so true. 
it's very frustrating when you don't see progress, but you have to trust the process. Okay. So you have to calm down, buckle in. And as I said, give it another week. Now, if you hit that three week mark and you really are plateaued, then there's a couple of things that we can do. You either need to slightly increase your activity or slightly decrease your calories. Um, or, you know, weirdly, and I know that this is, this sounds very contradictory. We could maybe implement a week diet break at maintenance go back to the calories you're on now and see if that might maybe ramp up your metabolism. And if it doesn't, then we need to drop, but also the benefit of doing a diet break, um, which has to be controlled. It doesn't mean eat whatever you want because you are just going to gain all that weight back, all that weight back. It's just a small increase in calories. But the other benefit mentally from doing that is that mentally you feel like you've got a bit of respite. You've got a bit of a break, a bit of a breather. Then you go back into your calorie deficit and maybe hormonally and metabolically speaking, we can kickstart up that loss. Um, but you know, it, it usually it just means you might need to dig a little deeper into your deficit real tiredness and your exhaustion that comes with working full-time having two kids and dieting which is hard yeah. um you know like dieting it can make you feel really tired and really lethargic on certain days not it shouldn't happen every day but it, it does happen um and that's just being in a being in a negative energy balance um energy being the optimal word there like you might not find that you have great amounts of it at points throughout the diet um and I would say, yeah, I mean, that would be th all those things I would think about. Um, Emma? Yeah, I completely agree. And actually, this has come as quite a good time because I think you should try and stick to what you're doing now for another week, at which point we will all be having a diet break anyway. And I think that might be really useful just because from what you've said, there's not really any way that Chloe or I are going to be like, you know what, I think you should up your activity levels or even down your calories because it sounds like you have quite a lot going on already and you're feeling tired and it sounds like you are, I mean, you're nailing everything, but it sounds like it's a bit of an effort, which is expected when you're dieting, but I don't think I'd want to throw in more um, just from an adherence point of view and just adding a lot more stress to what already is a lot that you're doing. Um, and the other thing would be just to try and stop fixating so much on the scales, just maybe, what I call these are non-negotiable. So maybe write like four or five things that you want to get done that week. It doesn't all have to be exercise or diet related, but some of them could be get my average step count, which you haven't spoken about. So maybe that's a factor, but anyway, get my average step count, um, do X amount of exercise a week. Maybe that's three or five sessions um, and stick to my calories on average over the week and then you can have two other goals, whatever you want to put them in as, or you could just stick to them and know that if you have done that at the end of the week, that is a positive week, no matter what the scale says and start focusing on those behaviors as opposed to the outcome and the outcome will come as a byproduct. Agreed. Okay. Next question. Thanks so much for the program. It's completely changed the way I view tracking diet and exercise, a lesson for life which is I'm really happy with because that's exactly what we, we spoke about that we wanted to do is that I know some people will come and they'll really enjoy the accountability, the group context, and they'll want to stay there and they love the, the exercise programs and all this. But some people will come for eight weeks, learn a lot, and then think that maybe they just want to go, go ahead and like use that information for the rest of their life. Either of those, as long as you leave us better than you found us, we're massively happy with. Yeah. I said this on the Facebook group the other day, like 
some of the things that people are putting in there it's just like emma and i talked about this as well um sending each other really soppy whatsapp voice <laughs> notes all day long about our clients just saying that like i know it sounds cheesy and cliche um but actually seeing some mental progress in terms of diet and training amongst the big group of women is just the literally the coolest thing in the world for us because we know we talked about this over the whatsapp conversation we had as well is that women really are conditioned from a young age to watch what they eat this will make you fat chocolate will make you fat that'll make you fat you know um and to to be very very body conscious and what that does is as emma always always says it applies a lot of emotion and self-worth to your body to your diet to whether or not you had a rest day and and that can make it a real mental slog um what we really want to happen is to definitely get you guys to your you know tangible goals in terms of your your physique and stuff um but also we really want to kind of readdress look at this whole thing from a completely new point of view and readdress how incredible it is to have a body that can move and be active and say like of course it's incredible if you lose 5 10 15 pounds that's fantastic that shows really great mental strength and a really great awareness of diet and training but you want to do it in kind of like a happy positive way you don't want to do it because you hate yourself like that is not going to get you anywhere but down in the dumps and in a very cyclical kind of gain weight lose weight gain weight lose weight pattern because it's not fair to be you kind of want to rebel against yourself when you're down on yourself all the time um and i think yeah what i'm seeing in this group that's making me feel the happiest i've ever felt as a coach is how many people are like i'm starting to see this differently things are starting to click i love my body you know i love where i'm at and that makes us happy yeah and i think that mindset often comes before like the physical results because they take that pressure off themselves and they're like okay I actually understand this process I'm not just putting effort in places because I think maybe that is what I should be doing you understand what you need to do to lose weight if that's what you want to do and then it often takes the pressure off as well that if you do put on a bit of weight it's not the end of the world and you don't have to jump on another fad diet you're like okay I know that it's my energy balance I've worked out the behaviors that are going to help me get there you can probably quite quickly identify where you've been going over your calories and you're in control of that and that's massively empowering yeah agreed okay so the actual part of this question i'd like to know more about metabolic rate what is the long-term impact on metabolism if you're in a calorie deficit for a long period of time ideally how long should you be in a calorie deficit um so when you're in a calorie deficit, uh, as in kind of eating under what your total daily energy expenditure is, your metabolism will slowly but surely adapt. It will climb down. Now, the good news is, is that it will also climb back up. Um, usually, in my experience, um, however long you spend in your calorie deficit is pretty much how long you should be spending out of your calorie deficit. Um, and in, in order to kind of uh, equalize, kind of... <laughs> basically fix any metabolic adaptations downwards that you had and push them back upwards. Um, in terms of your question, how long should you be spending in a calorie deficit? It really depends on the client and it depends on the start point, because as we've talked about before, body fat is energy, it is calories. So say if I had a client who was bigger, I could probably diet them for a much longer time than somebody who came to me who was just, you know, quote unquote, 
curvy or had a bit of body fat to lose, then I would probably do it in a bit more of a cyclical fashion. So for me, I would normally say I don't like to have clients in a deficit for more than 24 weeks, which is six months. Um, before I then will either implement things like, uh, and at that point I would probably already have weekly refeeds in there as well, just for adherence um, and performance um, and recovery. Um, And then at that point I would um, either implement quite a long-term diet break of like a good few weeks, or I would try and reverse diet them, give them another six months of, again, trying to hit performance-based goals, changing the goal, before then reassessing how much have they gained and are they ready to go back into a fat loss space. And in my experience, that is the only way to get long-term results. Um, however, this is all my opinion. Emma, what do you think? Um, it, it's almost like how long is a piece of string, isn't it? Like, I guess yeah. it would depend A, on the size of the deficit, B, on the body fat you had to lose, and C, probably most importantly, on how you reacted to that. So kind of like what Chloe's saying, like we, we would monitor and adapt. And if, if we find that you know you need to come out of a diet period for a period of time it could even be for a holiday like okay yeah. we'll use that as a bit of a diet break and then get back on it afterwards um there isn't i wouldn't say there's necessarily a specific time that you should stay in a calorie deficit or not stay in a calorie deficit um but from a more behavioral standpoint as chloe was saying i think there probably is um, but if you still have fat to lose, it's not going to be detrimental on a physiological level, because again, like we've, speak, we've spoken about this many times, but fat is just an energy store. So it's your body's stored energy. So you'll still have, like, if you're in a deficit for a long period of time, those energy stores will get smaller, which is what we want for fat loss. But if you still have them, then it's okay to continue to be in a deficit. But as, yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement that like there's, that's what it says on paper. It's just like saying, oh, you know, losing fat is just a calorie deficit. It's not particularly helpful. Like there's yeah. so many other factors that come into that and that make yeah. that achievable and achievable long-term. Um, so I would recommend sort of periods of maybe diet breaks, but I even think when it comes to that, that they shouldn't necessarily be every 10 weeks or something like that it could just be a bit based around your life as in okay I'm going on holiday now or it's my birthday that week I don't want to have to track okay cool we put those in as diet breaks so yeah that would be my thoughts yeah I like that especially your last point about diet breaks you don't have to it's more for it's more for behavior and it may sometimes performance as well in the gym um and, and keeping muscle mass but generally speaking there's no yeah Emma's right there really isn't any set period um it does come more more down to adherence yeah you're right about the gym as well especially I think when you get quite lean or like a bit fatigued and you're like it, it's not fun training fatigued So even if you take three days of bringing your calories up to maintenance level and then just really smash out a couple of gym sessions and then you kind of get the love for the gym back because you're energized to go in and you get a bit of a pump on and you feel like you can push yourself a bit harder. That's really motivating as well. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Oh, no, wait, that was just a question about how to sign up. Um, Okay, I was originally doing 25-minute runs in addition to the workouts to boost my daily step count and energy expenditure. For various reasons, that has been, hasn't been possible for the last three weeks. As a result, my weight loss has stalled for two weeks, so last week I reduced my calories from 1,500 to 1,400. 
to see what would happen and if it would put me back in the deficit. I have lost exactly one pound this week, so I assume I should continue on 1,400 calories. Um, Emma, I'll let you go first. Okay. Yeah, I think that's fine. I think what you might have found as well, which is the reason that we're always like, you haven't plateaued until it's been at least sort of two to three weeks, is that you might have lost that pound anyway on 1,500 calories. Dropping 100 calories, I mean, it's going to make some difference, but possibly not a huge amount. Um, and I would definitely say, I mean, it doesn't say here how many steps you are taking. But for various reasons, not just energy expenditure, but for health and for health, both metabolically from the activity that you're doing, so getting your step counts in, but also from the fact that when you're on as low as 1400 calories, you often miss out some of the really great things that you want to put in your diet. So maybe like fatty fish or getting in enough fruit and veg or getting in some whole grains, some good carbohydrate sources. So I find when you get to the level of like, below 1500 calories and you're not already at quite high energy expenditure that's where I'd want you to add and I know you said it's not been possible for the last three weeks so maybe this was a good alternative and I'm not saying it wasn't but I would say that if possible the activity would be my go-to at that point what are your thoughts yeah I agree um that in an ideal world we would keep your uh, activity level up and in order to try and keep your calories as high as we can. I mean, that's obviously optimal in terms of your performance, in terms of your recovery and in terms of your uh, metabolic rate. So that should always be the go-to. However, I do think that, you know, if you had to pull that out and then you stalled, um, it was probably a good idea to dig a bit deeper into your deficit. All I would say is that, um, yeah, if you're if you are that low, Emma's right. You need to. This is where actually being really nutritionally minded becomes quite important. Um, as in, how are you making up your calories throughout the day? Because you're probably going to have less less options, and it's probably going to be less varied if you're on a much smaller number of calorie intake. Um, and I would also say uh, definitely use week nine to do a diet break, um, and then which you know I think we want everybody to do, but especially mm -hmm. if you're dropping your calories lower. But yeah, I mean, look. Optimally, it would be it would be your expenditure that would would be the thing that we play around with um, in terms of getting you moving again. But sometimes, if that's not an option, that's not an option. And um, yeah, but uh, definitely also reach out to us if you start to find that you struggle. Because as we just talked about in the previous ramble we had, is that we want to we want to help your guys' view of calories and training and everything get you to your goal simultaneously. Um, and and you might find that the the deeper you dig into your deficit. Um, which you do need to do when you plateau, definitely. But in t especially in terms of restrictive eating, uh, it, it can start to have a reverse effect. So just keep an eye on it and, uh, and come to us if you, uh, if you need any, any help. Mm -hmm. Great point about food choice as well. I think that's something people forget. Like the lower your calories are, one, the less calories you have to play with, but also the less calories you have to fit in the things that we really want you to get in your diet, like enough protein, enough fruit and veg, some some form of fat that is going to help you because you don't want to go too low on fat and you also want to get in all the benefits of fruit and veg and enough protein so it becomes like a bit more restrictive in the sense that usually and i've spoken about this before if you have a bit of a like skeleton plan where you're like okay that gives me enough to hit my protein and get in fruit and veg and I'm on about 1200 calories doing that that means i've got 300 odd calories to play with if i want to have 
bigger meals or if I want to have a bit of a treat in the evening. That's one way to do it. But when you get lower in calories, you, you don't really have as much to play with, which can affect adherence as well as the fact you're going to be a bit hungrier. But your food choices become much more important on lower calories. Yeah, agreed. And I still love that skeleton plan advice. Such good advice. Okay, next question. Um, oh, this is the same question, but the second part. Although I'm struggling to get my runs in at the moment, I am lucky enough to have access to a decent sized swimming pool at home. Oh, oh all right, for some, isn't it? <laughs> okay, now we see. Okay, how can I get the most out of the pool to support this process? Any tips beyond endless lengths? Uh, I would say uh, make up the time that you're doing with your run in the pool. Um, and I would also say that if you were, this is something my husband taught me because obviously, so he would be in a rugby season and then this is how it works in rugby. One day his coach will say to him, like literally on a Friday afternoon, oh, we're going to give you next week off. And that's literally all you have. And you're like, oh my God, he scrambled on lastminute.com to find a holiday. You get on holiday. And this is one thing that he would always do to keep up with fitness is that it's a really good idea sometimes. In fact, some of the girls were talking about this in the group today. It's a really good idea sometimes to take the pressure off your joints. Um, because anybody now who's doing home workouts will know that your joints can take a bit of a beating, even if you are doing lower impact stuff. It's just hard There's, when you're using your body as your weight um as your resistance um you know obviously things like uh, joints and ligaments can can take a little bit of a hit so what he would do is we'd get on holiday and he'd, he would use the pool to basically do his fitness training but take all the pressure and all the gravity off his uh, bone structure and what he would do is and i remember the first time he did it i was like how are you going to do hit in a pool like that's really hard to do unless you're a professional swimmer and he was like no it's not you just hold your breath and go underwater and i was like oh my god you're right so he would do like hit training and he would basically do as many lengths as he could underwater before he had to come up for air then recover for as many lengths as he needed to to swim to recover and then go again and he'd do that for like 25 minutes a day and his fitness levels never dropped um so it's a, that's a really good way to do it that I just had, that had never occurred to me till I met him. Um, but yeah, the pool's activity and it's good activity because it's really good for recovery. And there aren't many exercises you can say that about, Emma. Yeah, I find swimming a really interesting one because, okay, so for example, my grandma used to go and swim, I think it was like 50 lengths a day, but she literally floated along like you use basically like no energy expenditure whatsoever she would have burnt more calories walking so, yeah but on the flip side if you're trying to swim as fast as you can that burns a hell of a lot of calories like we know that from um what was the Michael thing that always, yeah and it, it was like he would eat what was it like 1600 but, calories sixteen thousand calories a day was it more than that yeah yeah it was something ridiculous anyway because you can expend so much energy swimming if you're swimming fast so that's one thing i would be quite wary of <laughs> the other thing that i used to do is aqua running like when i i think i was injured from running so i used to run in the pool and you can get this belt that goes around you and so you sort of stay afloat and then you run in the pool which is really yeah. hard, really hard. So you can do um, <clears throat> intervals like that as well if you wanted to, if you're not a fan of like going underwater or if you're not particularly good at swimming because I'm not particularly good at swimming and I found it quite hard to like really feel like it, it was pushing me in, in terms of fitness because I'm just not that good at it. So aqua running was a good thing. I will say <clears throat> be really careful of chafing 
which is the worst thing ever. But the side of the aqua running like belt sometimes chafes with your arm. And then I can't believe how painful chafing is. Oh God. I mean, I had it once when I went, I mean, I won't tell this story, but yeah, it's really painful. (laughs) (laughs) I won't tell the story because it's slightly inappropriate and embarrassing, but yeah, it's awful. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we'll move on. I've been weight training on and off for a few years now and did a muscle building program last year and I wasn't in a calorie deficit at the time. So I feel I've become quite bulky, especially in my shoulders. Is it okay not to train upper body with weights as, as such? Okay. So because she's imbalanced, um, or um, could I just be looking bulky and muscular because I have more body fat? I backed away from the, the weights because I was scared to lift heavier again. Uh, okay, two points to this. Um, uh, okay. Okay, if an area of your body is genetically predisposed to grow um, muscularly more than other parts of your body, that body, body um, that's, <laughs> love it, that's fairly, fairly normal. Um, you know, I, I barely have to touch my, my quads and they, um, you know, they, they definitely like to grow uh, thick and fast as does my back actually. Um, in which case you just have to stop training that part of your body for a few weeks, um, until you feel like you're getting the kind of shape that, that you want. However, I will also caveat that by saying this, if you've gained body fat, but the only time in my life I've ever looked in the mirror and thought, oh, I look a bit bulky. It was when I had the muscle, great, cool. And then I'd gained like body fat, um, which obviously makes you look bigger. Um, so, and every single time I've got lean enough, or, you know, after that period of time, I've been like, oh, where did all my muscle go? Um, so I would say, yes, it's most definitely if you've gained body fat, that's why you're looking at yourself and thinking that. Um, and I would say you probably just need to find that when you shed that down and you lose some of that body fat, you're going to start looking more uh, defined and leaner and tighter and smaller. And you'll probably find that you look in the mirror and go, damn it, where did my shoulders go? Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, ultimately at the same time, if there's an area of your body that you don't like that's uh, in, in the way it's responding to weight training, just stop training it. But I, but I would really consider the former point, Emma. Yeah, I definitely agree with the former point. I think you hear... It seems to be especially a lot of women who go to spin and they're like, oh, spin makes my legs really bulky. Like your mum. Well, yeah, yeah. (laughs) What shame on my mum. But anyway. I love your (laughs) mum. And now your floaty grandma. We're learning so much about your family. So much. Love her. Um, Yeah, so it is likely that that maybe you've been to spin. Like, for example, my mum, I think she went to spin, thought, oh, that means I can eat more, which is a typical thing. Like, oh, I've burnt a lot of calories or I must have burnt a lot of calories. And then it's depressingly low, the actual amount of calories you have burnt. But anyway, you kind of overeat that back. And some people have a much stronger hunger response to exercise than others. So some people would do exercise and immediately be really hungry. And other people will do exercise and, and it won't really affect them. Uh, in terms of hunger and that that also depends on the type of exercise too I don't know about you but I find swimming makes me really hungry oh really that's so interesting I find it on like um the type of exercise meaning like if I do like hit then I am ravenous but um everything else I'm kind of okay like I already always know there's points of the day where I'm really hungry um but yeah after hit always anyway carry on 
Yeah, that's interesting. And, it, and it's something you should know about yourself. Like if you find that certain forms of exercise make you really hungry, it might be better to do other forms or it might be better to just acknowledge it and continue anyway. But I do think that in this case, it might be the fat on top of the muscle. Because as Chloe's saying, like it is really hard for women to build a significant amount of muscle. And I'm sure this individual has built a significant amount of muscle but then there's fat on top of that and that's why it looks quote unquote bulky whereas if you yeah. lose that body fat on top I think it's going to look really great and and I would encourage you to keep training upper body um because I think yeah. that is quite important to keep doing that yeah it's like when people say that oh you know when you do like um single arm something or single leg something they're like oh my god one of my limbs is way stronger than the other should i counteract it with the sets and reps and it's like no keep it level because you want your whole body to look level and well balanced so that's the whole point of you know being physique minded is you know you want to have a really you know you want to have a great physique and in order to do that it has to look well balanced um and so what you do is you just wait for the other part to catch up but i would also say um yeah, I, I genuinely do. I found when I started lifting weights as well, if I gained weight, um, that was it's really the only time where I actually am like, oh, I look bigger because it's kind of like mass on mass. But um, mm -hmm. but honestly, by the time you get lean again, you're gonna miss that that look. So yeah, maybe uh, yeah, I'm sorry, don't, I wouldn't. My go-to thing wouldn't be to stop training it, but you know, it's however you feel comfortable in your own body. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the main thing as well, isn't it? We we can help you reach your goals, but we're not going to tell you what those goals should or shouldn't be. We'll just yeah. give you the information and you make up your mind. Okay, next question. I need help with staying on track for longer than a week and not letting my hormones or mood get the better of me. That's a toughie. Well, yeah, this is where I, you know, you, I say the old adage, like, we can't motivate you. If you know that that's a problem and you know that when you get uh, hormonal um, or, you know, whatever, but like if through circumstance you, you get upset, you reach for food or you, you know, say, oh, fuck it, I'm not going to train today. We, the, the, the only way to fix that is for you to A, identify the problem and B, to, uh, fight through it like look emma and i don't find it easy to get up every day and train um you know we don't necessarily find it easy to get up every day and you know coach loads of people but we do it because the juice is worth the squeeze for us we know that we're going to get the result that we want um whether it's in terms of hard work you know work wise or hard work on our bodies and with ourselves but we have there's nobody that's going to wake me up in the morning and motivate me to go and train like, it doesn't work like that you have to identify that pattern and you have to slog through it until you can create a new pattern where when that happens you don't even think about it you just slog through it um but we can't you know the number one question that i get asked especially on social media is can you motivate me? Uh, you know, I really want to lose X amount of weight. And I, I hate to say it, but the answer is no, I can't. You know, if you want to lose that weight, that's your motivation. Um, and that's what I would say, Emma. Yeah, I agree. In terms of the hormones and mood, I think knowing that it will pass is a good thing and is helpful. Uh, mm. And I also think, as Chloe was saying that, I was like, there's a really good quote and it's just parent yourself. Like as if, yeah. let's say you were your own child, would you let you just like mope around all day, be grumpy because your hormones and not eat well and not exercise? No. And at some point, like Chloe's saying, no one's coming to parent you. No one's coming to get you out of bed in the morning. No one's coming to tell you to turn off Netflix at night. You have to do that yourself. So I think knowing that as well, that no one's like, this is something you have to do. 
And I really like that. Like, I like that. You, it, I think it's exciting and empowering that you've got the control over that. Uh, when you actually look, it might feel hard right now. Um, you know, nobody's saying it's like the term fearless. It doesn't mean that you don't have any fear. It means you battle through the fear and it's the same thing. There is something once you actually do slog through it and you start to implement a new habit where again, like I said, even if you don't feel like training, you still go and train anyway. Even if you don't feel like, you know, putting down that, you know, last slice of pizza that you do it anyway, there's something so empowering that about that, that it makes it easier and easier and easier to do. Um, and I promise you when that ball gets rolling, it's rolling, you're fine. Um, but I do, I understand it's hard at first, but you know, you, it's your job to push that ball and get it moving. Agreed. Right. We have about seven more questions. So should we split this podcast? Yeah, let's do it. Cause we're coming up to an hour and I think that was excellent. Uh, fab ooh, I think I actually really like this week's questions. I thought they were very thoughtful. Yeah, really good. Yeah. yeah the next got ones, I've had a sneak peek are very good as well. Oh fab. I love that. All right, guys. Well, I guess we will see you in a few days' time. <laughs>